I said, do you remember like the the main character, and it was a it was like a teenage girl kind of turning to the dark side, and as the video <laughs> kind of goes along, she suddenly gets like bat tattoos, and her hair goes black, and stuff like that. You know, so he definitely was yeah. uh, selling an image as well at the time. I think speaks to oh, the today. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, when I think the, for me, like a guy like Ozzy Osbourne, if you go stick him in the Leeds Reading Festival now. He will sell out instantly. Uh, he's a headline. And uh, well, how old is he? Ozzy Osbourne, Jesus. Like 120. Yeah. 120. <laughs> that's not bad for a 120 year old. I mean, yeah, for know. sure, right? He's well preserved. <laughs> Hi there, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Music, Movies and Madness, the new podcast that each episode picks a different year and discusses the movies and music of the time. So bringing the mayhem to you tonight from here in Wellington are David, Ian, Glenn and Martin, that's me. Uh, so how does this work? Well, think of it like an episode of Quantum Leap for lazy people where no one has to leave the couch. So to start us off this week, we're going to go back in time to the year 1986. And here's a brief overview of some events that happened that year. So, 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger disintegrated 73 seconds oh, yeah. after launch. I remember that. I went to David's house and saw it on TV. It was yeah, awful. we watched it on telly. Boom. And we were really upset. Really, really upset. Yeah. Anyway, that was terrible. It was a, a bit of a shock at that. Uh, next thing, a mishandled safety test at Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the Soviet Union killed at least 4,000 people and damaged over $7 billion worth of property. I hate it when you do that. Okay. Well, it can happen all again, can't it? Now that the Russians have got it. Oh, yeah. That, that could be right now, couldn't it? Let's face well, it. When you, when, you, when you sort of accidentally shell one, yeah. 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 It was an accident. The irony, let's nuke a nuke. <laughs> uh, too soon? Maybe. Did you watch, did you? Did any of you guys watch that um, doco recently on Chernobyl? No. It was amazing, honestly. It, like, it looks scary. Yeah, just just the, um, the when, when the divers or whatever had to go into the, um, you know, the, the big water tanks that they used to, to cool the reactors. Yeah. Um, when, and and knowing that this thing was leaking radiation, they went into this, into these tanks. It was just, and you felt like you were in there. The way they filmed it was brilliant. You want they, you want time? Yeah. You want time did and a half when they do that? Did, yeah. Well, I would have, I would expect a little bit more. Did any of them get superpowers afterwards? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. Because it's the sort of thing that can happen. I've I was going to say, was Mr. Burns there sort of going, excellent, <laughs> in the background? I'm <laughs> turning radioactive green, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay, and moving on. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, in Mexico, one of the most famous FIFA World Cup matches of all time, Argentinian football player Diego Maradona scored a handball goal, nicknamed the Hand of God. And then, dribbled past, and then dribbled past the entire English football team to score a second goal, nicknamed the goal of the century, with Argentina winning 2-0, sorry, 2-1 against England in the quarterfinals of the tournament. Now, that was my first World Cup that I can remember, was Mexico 86. And I remember having the sticker album, collected the Panini stickers for it. So there you go. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. As an Englishman, it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah. But if he, then, dribbled, if he dribbled a goal all the way through all the whole team, it kind of indicates that they deserve to lose, potentially. Like I said, it still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> After all this time. Oh, no. Hey, look. It's, it's an English thing, man. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's like, you know. I think it has to be. You know, 95% of the English population probably couldn't tell you when World War II ended, but they can tell you that 1966 was the year we won the World Cup. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, priorities are in the right place. Hitler? Hitler who? <laughs> Hand of God. Oh, yeah, Maradona. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and a bit, of, <laughs> a bit of Kiwi news from 1986. Okay, so in November, Pope John Paul II arrived for the first papal, papal visit to New Zealand. I found it funny when he turned up because he had his Pope mobile. I don't remember much about it except him in this glass sort of case, like, um, you know, what's his name? What's that? The guy from the chocolate factory. <laughs> Didn't he have one of those in a great glass elevator? It looked like he was stuck oh, in a great glass nice. elevator yeah. driving around, Willy, and it was just the Willy weirdest Wonka. thing I think I'd ever seen. Willy Wonka. Yeah. Oh, man. I thought it was a bit Hannibal Lecter, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's like plastic cage. Breathing. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Okay. Uh, so what else happened in 86? Well, born in 1986, we had Lady Gaga, Megan Fox, the new Batman, Robert Patterson, Drake, and Usain Bolt was born in 1986. Oh. And if you were watching TV in the States in 86, the new shows that came out that year were ALF, which I know is a, a, a favourite among the, the group here, quite rightly. Well, I, I wonder if it's aged well. Oh, I think it's not. Oh, that's the, the, well, the jokes are pretty corny then. From <laughs> so. It's a 10-year-old. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, okay. <laughs> LA is about as well as us. <laughs> yeah. What else, what else happened, Martin? Oh, yeah. well, there was also LA Law. Do you remember LA Law? Oh, it was yeah. a bit growing up for me. Mum and Dad watched it. It was the show with the most horrendous. It was like the dynasty style shoulder think, pads, you know. I think, I think my mum had a, a crush on Jimmy Smith's. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. No, no, let's go from that. Moving on. Moving yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on. <laughs> so albums released in 1986. So this is this is quite indicative of like how many albums came out that year really, because we had Peter Gabriel's So album, Metallica released, released Master of Puppets. Paul Simon did Graceland, Madonna did True Blue, Bon Jovi did Slippery When Wet, and amazingly yeah. none of those was chosen by any of us as our albums that we were going to I remember in Slippery When Wet was quite popular, um, but again, it got to New Zealand like two years later. Um, so well, it was about 1988. <laughs> 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 to it. It, it was slippery and not so wet by then. It was pretty much dried up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slippery, yeah. slippery and dry. So is that slippery a nice segue, Martin, into which albums that we've chosen? Absolutely, yeah. So we're going to go around the table and basically just um, pick an album each uh, from that year and um, and the reasons why it kind of uh, has stuck with us through the, through the years. Yeah. Mm. So um, any, any volunteers kick us off tonight? 
Ian's going to go I'll first. Go, brave man. I'll go first. How about that? I'll brave. I've had a, mm. I've had a couple of gin and tonics at my crazy hat party. So I'm ready to rock. So I, I, uh, welcome to the listeners, right? Because this is going to, there's thousands of them. Absolutely. And probably my mum. I'm working on that. Actually, I've got listeners for us. Hi, uh, Gail. What I, what I should, what <laughs> I should say, <laughs> hey, Gail. What I should say is that, um, isn't it interesting, right, when you first sit down and actually go through all the things, like you just said, Martin, that were actually going on in 1986, there were so many good things going on at that time. <laughs> As I mentioned, there was also good stuff, you know. There, there was you get the good and the bad, you know. In, but, in some ways, we were peaked, <laughs> we were peaked 10 years, man. Well, okay. uh, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the albums and the albums, oh, and the, sorry, right? And, yeah. and the movies, yeah. yeah right. I'm talking about, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of real good albums that came out, a lot of real good movies that came out. It was hard to yeah. choose. I thought it was hard to pick. You know? mm. um, yeah, that's the first thing. I didn't realise how much sort of good stuff came out on that year. But mm. uh, so for my album, I decided to go for for an album that I don't really like. Um, Excellent, I love it. Yeah. Already, thank what you. The, what did you choose? Yeah. yeah. Well, I I did this for the younger the younger viewers. So my selections. <laughs> I hope you're not watching. I hope we're not putting the video of this up. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's, there's, there's loads of them. This is we're going global, man. Yeah, yeah sure. And, uh, yeah. So, and the reason I chose what I chose is because there's a bit of a link in in what they are. So the album that I chosen was uh, an Ozzy Osbourne album called The Ultimate Sin. How does that link to young people today? <laughs> well, oh, it's very quite easily. It's very, yeah, it's very important. It's very important. So mm-hmm. all will be revealed. Uh, yes, John ma'am. Michael, John Michael Osborne, better known as Ozzy, or uh, the Prince of Darkness. So I think, yeah, I think with a name like that, you gotta, you gotta have a bit of respect for the guy, right? Um, mm-hmm. This, this was his fourth album, studio album, and I think it, it, it relates to. Younger people, if they were trying to get into the heavy metal scene and track that back a little oh, bit, and Ozzy played Ozzy played a key point, a key part in that, you know. Mm. So you've got all these amazing bands, but he's not called the Prince of Darkness for nothing. He's he's a respected, you know, a respected dude. Um, the album itself actually uh, it went platinum. Have you guys ever heard it? Yeah. What's it called again? It's called The Ultimate Sin. No. Have you heard of Ozzy Osbourne? Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. He's not I He's think. not Australian. You know that? I, no, no, I'm well aware. Okay, good. So yeah, the, the, album actually, the album actually went platinum. Birmingham, Birmingham wasn't it? He is a Brummie. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, yeah, no machine. Was, was that a, bit, a, 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 a mock Brummie accent that you just tried to pull yeah, it's a bit booming. I just thought you had something in your throat. Oh, yeah. No, that's, okay. that's just normally it's normally my foot. Uh, so it sold over two million copies. Really? Yeah. Like that. That's not bad for yeah. a metal album. Uh, in 1986, I'd say that's a pretty good effort. 
What was the average 86 selling albums? A couple of million? No, no idea. Probably a lot. It was like peak, wasn't it? Peak and, you know, one of the peaks around number of volumes of records sold. and Yeah. I would have thought that like... Lots of units moved, as they would have said back in the day. I would have thought that like Graceland and True Blue and Sleeper Wear and Wet would have done probably 10 million a pop easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way up there. Yeah. But I mean, uh, Platinum Album for Ozzy Osbourne is pretty good. A, because he's not that good. And he's not, <laughs> and he's and he's not well known. So I'd say he was quite chuffed with that. Um, Just as a relation, aren't they? The, yeah. the, 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 the great thing about Ozzy Osbourne uh, that we should all appreciate is that uh, I think as a guitarist, he always has fantastic musicians on his albums. Right? This is true. So, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that that picks him. So you've got the infamous Randy Rhodes. Incredible guitar player. Uh, this album has Phil Susan on bass, which if you don't know who that is, he's amazing. Uh, you've also got Jimmy DeGrasso on drums. If you don't know who he is, he was the drummer for Megadeth. Uh, incredible drummer. So these guys are pioneers. They're, they're making that mm. breakthrough to the next level. Mm. Uh Actually, the same year that that the same year, uh, Megadeth had the album "Peace Sells." Who's buying? Hmm. Uh, which is a, an amazing album for its time. '86, way ahead of its time, man. What an album! So, who is the guitarist? The guitarist that features on this uh, on the Ultimate Sin is Jakey Lee, hmm. and Jakey Lee is another incredible guitar player. So, if someone's into guitaring. These names I'm dropping here are guys you want to check out, man. They are shredders. Ah, damn. Um, and, yeah, it had songs like Shot in the Dark. Giants, and that was actually the <clears throat> the main song of the album uh, was Killer Giants, which I found quite interesting because the lyrics. You go back to 1986, right? It starts with the lyric, "If none of us believe in war, can you tell me what the weapons are for?" 
Wow. Pro yeah. Profound, profound. <laughs> Highly. If not of us believe in war, then can you tell me what the weapon's for? Listen to me, everyone. If the button is pushed, there'll be nowhere to run. I mean, I th I've always felt like Ozzy was the worst member of his own band. <laughs> you're not selling it. You're not selling the record. Yeah. Yeah. You're selling it. Yeah. Can't check out all these other musos. Yeah. Check out what I mean, made it up, Ozzy. Was this... Um, uh, I was just going to say, like, in terms of, like, Ozzy's long and varied career, like, yes. how sort of... Not on planet Earth was he at this kind of point in his career? Because <laughs> yeah, you know, is this kind Good of question. like whizzing on the Alamo period, or the biting at the head yeah. off the bat period, or are we? <coughs> yeah, you're definitely into a little bit of uh, bat munching, and uh, he he went off the he went off the he went off the rails when his first guitar player died. You know that Randy Rhodes? Yeah. And, uh, so Jakey Lee replaced Randy Rhodes, and uh, he started to get his act together at this point. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I just thought it would be nice to choose an. I thought, well, if you go like Bon Jovi or something, yeah, well, they're awesome. Everyone knows all that stuff. But there are other sides to music as well that are that are there that are not mm. really touched on. You know, it's a little bit like goth music. For me, I hate goth music, but it's kind of important to bring it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it, there's a massive yeah. following for those, you know. And as you say, they all led on to, you know, how that genre, how well, how those genres are kind of like developed net to now, you know. I mean, yeah, totally. 1986, who, who in their right mind would have given Ozzy a, a TV program, you know, a reality TV show? <laughs> but then again, who Not would me. have given him a reality TV show at any point in his career? But, Correct. Yeah, you know, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So there you go. If you want a very sort of average album uh, that's but it is full of incredible history, so you've got amazing players in this album, and mm. it's, it's a bit of a legacy for Ozzy. It's when he's producing some of his best stuff, even though I don't really rate it that well. Uh, yeah, go and check out Ultimate Sin. It's, it's all right. I was going to say, the only song I think I do know on it is, is Shot in the Dark. And yep. um, I do kind of remember the video for that being pretty, well, pretty cheap looking at the start. But it was basically <laughs> shot like at a, 
a, like a mock Aussie gig, and um, yes. I seem to remember like the the main character, and it was a, it was like a teenage girl kind of turning to the dark side. And as the video <laughs> kind of goes along, she suddenly gets like bat tattoos, and her hair goes black, and stuff like that. You know, so he definitely was uh, selling an image as well at the time. I think speaks to us oh, today. <laughs> The funny thing is, when I think the, for me, like a guy like Ozzy Osbourne, if you go stick him in the Leeds Reading Festival now, he will sell out instantly. Uh, he's a headline. And uh, well, how old is he, Ozzy Osbourne? Jesus. Like 120. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad for a 120 year old. I mean, yeah, for yeah. sure, right? He's well preserved at <laughs> age. So that's, I can see that my album choice that blew the boys away. It really did. Actually, I yeah. really I would have never, never have picked that. I'm. This is a fantastic now, surprise. There we go. And now you got to go. Who are you going to pass out. it on to now? I'd like to. I'd like to go with Martin because he's on my right. And I think that's good. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Nice. So I, I, I struggled with this. I got to say, I, I thought mm. there was like. I know I was so easy or too hard. Too hard. There was actually a few that I would have gone with. Like I was very close to picking the Peter Gabriel album. I was very close to picking Graceland. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was tough, but the one I did choose um, is probably a bit left field. I've got to say, probably not Good. expected. So I actually chose a movie soundtrack. Yeah, and. Um, it was a movie that came out in 86. And um, the reason I, I'm choosing this is because at that point in my life, 10 years old, I was the perfect demographic for this album. Absolutely the oh, perfect labyrinth. demographic. Oh, Labyrinth. Not Labyrinth. No, no. not the Labyrinth. Pretty Woman. <laughs> it was a bit later. A bit later. <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> He's an early developer. So... Um, <laughs> So here we go, here we go. So the soundtrack that I chose is the soundtrack to Transformers the movie, the animated oh, one no. from 1986. Yes.
there are three reasons why I chose this album. Number one, it was the first kind of exposure to, to hair metal or metal of any kind that I'd ever heard. Um, Is it metal and the Transformers? It's insanely it's heavy soundtrack. It's all, it's, really? it's spandex and poodle perms all the way. I've got to say. So that was a... That was a bit. Number two was the actual score for the movie was done by a guy called Vince DiCola. And Vince DiCola had played with people like Neil Sean from Journey um, and had like a really huge like prog background. And the soundtrack is all synth. It's all keyboard. And it's wow. prog-tastic. I mean, it's just crazy <laughs> solos going on in it. Lots of crazy cool sounds lots of kind of like loud thrush sort of style guitar going on in it as well um and reason number three was it was the album that introduced me to weird out weird out because there's a weird out yankovic song on there as well so <laughs> so those are the three reasons why i've chosen that album. um it's funny because like looking back at it now, you know, as I say, I was kind of the perfect demographic at that point, 10 years old, you know, but Transformers weren't really my bag at that point. They weren't the thing that kind of got me, but the movie I loved as a kid. And I remember going to see it at the movies and it had the most phenomenal soundtrack as well. It had, uh, 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 sorry, voice cast. It had the likes of um, Leonard Nimoy. Um, there was um, Judd Nelson. And uh, and it was actually Orson Welles' last movie, believe it or not. And so. and, and spoilers, spoilers. Um, isn't that the one that um, Optimus didn't make it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and it was yeah. controversial. It, it traumatized so many, so many it, kids. <laughs> it did, and they did that in to basically wipe out the old generation and make you buy some new stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, it was all so bad. So bad. destroyed the main character, character in like the first thirty minutes of the movie. <laughs> and then, if that wasn't bad enough, like from memory, like as the movie goes on, they actually uh, kill off the guy that replaces him as well. Like, <laughs> So obviously that toilet didn't work. It's a move, man. <laughs> so we, we replaced the toilet. We replaced the toilet with. Yeah, there you go. Cynical eighties. It was. It was cartoon, wasn't it? It was all. It cartoon. was animated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was actually produced by Marvel, believe it or not. So back when they had like an, a, a proper animation studio. Nice. But uh, yeah, so that's my pick, <clears> and I, I'm I'm a proud owner of that album, and uh, I still have the vinyl from 1986 as well, somewhere at my wow. mom's house. So yeah, um, and that's kind of my album that I just like to crank really freaking loud when I get to Martin. Chance. Martin, there's more to you than meets the eye. <laughs> oh, no. oh, you're on fire. That's but a great yeah, singer. The question is, Martin, are you a Autobot or a Decepticon? Oh, Decepticons oh. all the way, right? They were far cooler. <laughs> what could the Autobots do? They were all trucks and diggers and, and mopeds, you know? I'd rather be guys, a plane or a gun. Bad guys are always <laughs> better, right? Bad guys are man. always better. Just every time. Glenn, yeah. you had the jet, didn't you? you had I had a jet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, and do you still have the Transformer logo on your car? Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, still proudly. It's a small car, um, and it's perfect. 
uh, for Bumblebee instead of, as you said, that abomination that, you know, Bumblebee should never be a big car like that Camaro. Does, does, it make the, does it make that noise when you turn the key? Does it go? Of course it does. <laughs> yes, of course it does. You know it. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. We were at the dump once and this little girl looked across and went, hello, Bumblebee. And it was just the cutest thing ever. You should drive that in your Stormtrooper costume. Boom. Oh, I can't sit down in the costume, but otherwise, yeah. I, I could put the helmet on. Can you I imagine seeing Bumblebee yeah. with a Stormtrooper at driving? But I can't too. actually see much out of the helmet, so it's actually a hazard. <laughs> I feel we're digressing. Mm. You know what you need? You see, for that is, is all you need is a poke mobile. Because <laughs> then you can stand oh. up. <laughs> oh, funny. Popercron. <laughs> the Popercron. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler. There you go, yeah. All right, so I'm going to pass it over to... Uh, that, was to... An interest, that was an interesting choice, that man. Well, it was a bit left field, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to pass things over to Glenn. So All what right. is your album of choice? Right. I actually struggled with finding an album. Um, I, I, the albums that you mentioned were pretty good. Um, but, again, I don't think I made a connection to any particular 1986 album. It's probably in later years that I've actually made a connection with one, and it's this one here. It's uh, uh, The Cure's Standing on a Beach album. It's a compilation album that came oh, out right. that year. And it's got all these sort of singles from when they started through to 1986, um, all their classic singles and stuff like that. And it's it's awesome. It's there's no filler, and it's sort of at a time that you know, um, great hits albums were actually pretty sharp, um, and they don't exist anymore. So that was one of the reasons for the choice. A. Eh? And, yeah, I didn't really know anything about The Cure at all when I was 10, absolutely not, um, and sort of became aware of The Cure immensely sort of at, you know, parties and stuff like that in my 20s. And I'd seen that album cover around because that old guy's on there and it's like quite a distinctive sort of cover. And then you sort of hear about those songs and they're just really cool. I mean, Boys Don't Cry, A Forest is my particular favourite with that synth and sort of, sort of brooding sort of baseline, I think that would be a good way to describe it. Um, and then you've got sort of fun sort of songs like um, The Love Cats and Close to Me, etc.
so yeah, The Cure, man, that was um, a cool album and sort of a really good way to sort of discover that sort of post-punk scene um, that, that came out. And yeah, probably, I don't know if they're a goth band, but certainly I know a lot of people found them to be quite sort of mopey and gothy apparent in that time but then they started making like friday i'm in love and stuff like that a bit later but yeah i mean it's gonna yeah, say but, they're, they're definitely a band of like at oh, least yeah, totally two, two personalities yeah. if not a lot more um, yeah if not yeah and um it was quite a big seller in new zealand it went platinum twice here oh no went platinum here so that's quite a lot of sales for a little country mm. um, if they weren't goth what were they I don't really know. Well, they're definitely alternative, but those singles are so catchy. Um, you would have to say that they are pop singles. I mean, that's kind of hard to... But pop in a different type of way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very um, hooky. They do get in your Yeah, head. very hooky, but also with a sort of edginess and a slight, what's the word, nervous energy to them as well, which I find quite... It's something edgy about it, and that's what I really like. So, yeah, big props to The Cure for that one. But, and, and it's one that now, when I look at my 1986 albums, which are very limited, um, it'll be one that I'd go to all the time, whereas the, the others, yeah, I know they're good, but it doesn't, they don't resonate. Mm. Do you know when I got into The Cure? No. 
this this probably won't surprise my old school buddies, but Matt and my, but I yeah, I got into them probably maybe three years ago, and I'm, I'm really I'm actually really glad about that because and how that came about was my uh, brother's brother-in-law uh, said to me, and he's he's mad about the cure. In fact, he helped get them out here in uh, in New Zealand, I think. Alistair Ross, his name is. And uh, he's, yeah, bonkers about the cure. And he said to me, oh, they've got this new um, Live in Sydney album coming out. And and I thought, no, I don't, I just don't, don't like the cure. And I put it on in my barber shop. And I yep. thought, man, this is really good. And I listened to it twice in a row, the whole thing. And I haven't done that for a long time. Within yeah. It, so a, a description for these singles were, at their best, the singles were nervy, intellectual, catchy, and foreboding all at once. And I think it's a pretty good way to describe them. They are very, very good and um, mm-hmm. something that I'm, I definitely rate. All right, so that leaves David. Nice. Oh, yeah. I, I, what did I choose? The, I went with um, a band that I've got. I've got an interesting relationship with this band because... I was introduced to them back in uh, sixth form, I think. So, 92. Mm-hmm. By one, one G.D. Chadwick, who was a mm-hmm. high school friend. Yeah. And he, I'm um, dreading this. I'm well, dreading yeah, this. this is, actually, he was, he was into the cure, too. Him and the Andrew yes. Cruz. They were yes. mm-hmm. um, And he introduced me to the Smiths, and I thought at the time... Good God, this is the most depressing music I think I've ever heard. But then again, I was listening to Kylie and Jason and Rick Astley and shit like that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bit of a departure. And, but there were, there were a couple of songs I really did like. Um, uh, please, Please, Please. And what was the other one? Girlfriend in a Coma. Oh, I just love the, the and lyric. It's funny um, as. But it's so poppy and, and, and so good. They're not, neither of those are on this album. Um, all right, but uh, that got me into the Smiths way, way back then. Um, so this album, The Queen Is Dead, is considered um, these days to be possibly one of their better um, efforts, but also and that, and that says a lot because the quality is pretty high. That, yeah, some say that they sold out a little bit as well. It's gone a bit. By the time they got to here, it was a bit. A bit commercial for the Smiths, um, but uh, you know, so you know, we're talking Johnny Marr, um, Andy Rourke, Mike Joyce, and what's his name? Morrissey. That's right. Um, as uh, the the four piece, um, it was their third studio album. Uh, but so interestingly, it was, I mean, it was an independent label, which was pretty, you know, and it got to number two in the UK, right? So. An independent yeah. label, number two. Guess what, you, what? What do you think kept it off the number one spot? 1986. In fact, the whole 80s. What artist who had a, a soul, who had a, a very successful band, but also a very successful solo career in that decade, was releasing was releasing hits after hits pretty much every year. Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, drummer. Oh, Phil. 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 
Invisible Collins? Touch kicked it off. So Invisible oh, Touch oh, started oh. at number one. And the, man, the, the man that ruined Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, yeah. Peter, well, Peter, we Peter left it. Well, we well, Peter, Peter bailed. Bring back Peter. Um, I mean, it's bloody miserable, this album. So it's as miserable as Meter's Murder. I don't know if you've you've listened to that. And that's another good album, but but this is probably a little bit more poppy in terms of what Mars doing with the music. But the lyrics, I mean, the Queen is dead, so it's anti-monarchy. Morrissey yeah. hate, hates the monarchy. Um, interestingly like enough, though, um, the um, in, in in his autobiography, Morrissey, uh, he wanted George Martin to produce this. Martin declined, and the reason he gave. Was, I don't know if it was the reason that he actually, why he actually declined, but the reason he gave was that he wanted to be remembered for the Beatles stuff, which to me is a bit wishy-washy. I think he took Probably. one look at the lyrics and thought, I don't want to have my name on this. So who yeah. produced it was Stephen Street, wasn't it? Don't know, actually. Yeah, you, yeah I you, think Stephen Street, who right, went yeah. on to do huge numbers of work with a lot of artists, Blur particularly, um, yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, very fun. Yeah, I mean, Morris is just bloody morbid and bloody. Yeah, but there's, and... there's but there's some but there's something uplifting about those songs. So it's the melody. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's the melody, but even the, the, the there is a lot of tongue in cheek humour in the um, lyrics as well. That you know yep. you shouldn't take it too seriously, and it's just funny. Like there is a light that never goes out as on a day, and I mean that's a gorgeous love song. Take me out tonight. Where there's music and there's people and the young and the line. Driving in your car, I never, never want to go home because I haven't got one anymore. Take me out. Because I want to see people and I want to see life Driving in your car Oh, please don't drop me home Because it's not my home, it's their home and I'm welcome no more And if a double-decker boss crashes into us To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die And if a ten-ton truck kills the both of us To die by your side, well, the pleasure, the privilege is mine did you know that, that that Morrissey didn't want that song on the album? No. Why? Yeah. Yeah. And in his autobiography, again, he said, sometimes it's good to be wrong. <laughs> in regards <laughs> to that song. Because obviously, I mean, wow. it is one of the, it is, and it's actually one of Mars' favorite songs out of the whole Smith's back catalogue is There is a Light. And, he, and, and it's the, um, I mean, it's just a, an amazing melody and the bass, the, the counter riff in the bass is just, it, it's divine and the lyrics um, are on 
on spot. They're, they're just brilliant. And if what is it? Double decker bus kills the both of us. What a heavenly way to die. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. What else is in there? There's that song, Mama, I Can Feel the. Oh, the dirt soil falling dirt, over dirt, me, yeah. Falling over my head as he's getting buried. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's, I there's mean, when you can, yeah, when you compare that to never going to give you up, never going to let you down, <laughs> which, gonna, which was probably the greatest never. single of all time released in the following year. I mean, we have a whole anyway, podcast so, just on that song. Well, that, yeah, that so could happen. I mean, that could happen. it's definitely. Unlike Ian, um, this is actually one of my favourite albums because uh, I, I think what Johnny Marr does with, uh, with albums, I mean, this Charming Man is, is a brilliant bit of pop uh, and the guitar work on that is quite stunning. But what he's done here, if you listen to like um, Big Mouth Strikes Again, the, the, um, the rhythm guitar on that, got the capo on the fourth, he's strumming like a madman. I don't know how he keeps the rhythm, but that is an amazing bit of rhythm guitar work. Um, as a riff that uh, Big Mouth strikes again. It's deep, man. It's deep. The eighties was deep, man. No, it and wasn't. That's a great segue <laughs> into my movie choice, then. Yeah, that's my over to you. Yeah. Okay. So talking you was, about you was you oh, were saying that movie. You were saying that it was deep. I'm I I'm not sure it was. Uh, David, I've never I've never really gotten to the Smiths. I've always been a bit of a rocker and a blues man. Yeah, and that's and true. Jazz. But, but there's, um, there's there's a sort of solo within that Smith stuff that's quite. Oh, James I don't know. For, basically, face. for for basically for skinny white guys like me, when I found out about it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is epic! I've been dumped like this." <laughs> 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 
Oh, mate, come here, I'll give you a cuddle. I wish my girlfriend no, but was then, a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but those sort of songs are funny as, I don't know, it just, I don't know, I just love it. I remember you tell, you were telling me about the pumpkins like that. When we when I first heard the Smashing Pumpkins, I was driving back mm. to Palmerston North with you and my car, mm, mm, mm. and you were like, Melancholy. oh, I can really get these guys. They are just, you know, I am being that guy, and I listened to the album, I was like, oh, man, you you poor dude. You need help. Don't you? I just, I want to hold you, man. I want to hold you and embrace you. Uh, tell you it's I, all right, I, bro. Yeah, well, maybe that's what you thought, but you certainly went, oh, yeah, I've been like that too. Funny thing. But anyway, funny thing, that, funny thing now is looking a lot back of, on it, God, it's whiny. God, it's so Yeah, funny. but funny, when you look back on all these albums that we're just all talking about, well, so, I mean, you're going back a few years, right? They're actually, some of these, man, would they stand the test of time now if they popped it out? Oh, the cure, absolutely. No, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, Aussie, definitely not. No, I, I, no, I agree with that one. Yeah, I bought an album on. I sent you guys some photos on the messenger, and I was in real groovy. And I bought this album, which was a double album, and it's um, a whole lot of American um, indie jangle pop stuff from '83 to '86. That was just garage bands, so none of these guys made it big. None of these guys had hits, but some dude found a whole lot of uh, tapes and basically pulled this together, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just had it playing before, and it sounds like it could have been written yesterday. But back mm-hmm. in 83 and 84, 85, yeah. when you had Madonna, you had Michael Jackson, yeah. you had Phil Collins controlling the airwaves, these guys wouldn't have, they, they didn't get a look in, right? They, they didn't. But now you listen to it and it's just like, it sounds like, um, you know, uh, what are they called, um, you know, well, friends. It's, it's that jangle pop kind of, you know, a lot of guitar, a lot of, a lot of keyboard. It's very um, light. It's lots of space. It just sounds great. And, you know, but back in the day, yeah, didn't even get a look in. Mm. Wrong. Yeah. Time and place, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's move on then. So movies, movies, right? So movies that came out in '86 that we, uh, that none of us chose, include mm. Stand by Me, good movie. Okay, great. Highlander, good movie. Can good be soundtrack. One. Great soundtrack. Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, David used to love that movie. Something yeah, yeah, you remember the film. Aliens. No one chose Aliens, which I thought was quite oh, surprising. I thought also, I was ten. That. That, that would have been horrific for me. Oh yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean movies that you watched <laughs> at that time. I used to put that on time. And uh, <sighs> you know, talking about horror movies, what about Howard the Duck? Because that was '86 as well. So I don't think it made <laughs> it here. That's probably a think, really good we, thing. I don't think we got that one. That that film, um, yeah, scarred me mentally and probably physically as well for life. I think uh, uh, a really well. I just I've never I, seen it. No, he I've looks a pain, it. and I don't think I want to see it. Yeah, I would just avoid face, it. Yeah, it's, face it's, it's got no real redeeming pain. features in it, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> one to avoid. One to avoid. Yeah. Ian, why don't you kick us off with your choice of movie? No, okay, so, uh, right, here we go. I've got my little notes. So well played. Well so, prepared. Thank you. Thank mm. you. Thank you. I've put the effort in. Yeah. So this is uh, a little bit different to my album 
choice. Uh, yeah, so Crossroads was the movie I chose. Oh, yeah. You were big on that, and it's a great story. Yeah, I, I love this movie. So, um, But, again, I chose it for anyone that's listening. It's, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a thing in there. Uh, a bit of a thing. You, a bit of a thing you can delve into. The movie's the movie's pretty good. It's a standard sort of story, yeah. um, inspired by the legend of Robert Johnson, that kind of thing, right? The blues. Mm. Um, but there's there's some really cool stuff about that movie. Um, it's the the main star is uh, Ma, uh, Ralph uh, Macchio, the Karate oh, Kid. Karate Kid, yeah. Um, probably the best actor in the world. At that time. <laughs> no? Okay. I've got a... a uh, and and Craddy Kid 2 came out that year, too. He was everywhere. I was expecting someone to throw something at me there, but we'll let it roll. He wasn't the best actor of his... Uh, he was, he's pretty average, but um, he's... I think he was about... Was he about 75 in that movie? He only looks like ten, doesn't he? And he's like, he's made a comeback, he, right? With yeah, um, with um, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Yeah. And does he still look ten years old? He's probably looks no. twelve now. No, he doesn't. But it, no. he does look still quite good. He's like in his fifties, right? And he looks like he's probably in his thirties or something. I wonder if well, he. The one, the, one aged, the one that's aged well is the other for Johnny. Johnny's Johnny. aged really well. They must moisturize and stuff. Well, that's what happens uh, when you sell your soul at the crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you uh, did actually do that. So uh, the the movie is uh, well. I think it's I think it's just amazing. You guys have all seen the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it in like a long time. I think I watched long it at your time. place because you were so excited because you were like Steve, uh, the guy Vi's on it. That's right. I mean, what's, probably, uh, what's, the guy, what's the guy Vi's name? Yeah, Steve. You Steve got Vi. Steve Vi. Steve, so Steve Vi. Yeah, yeah. He was the devil, wasn't he? Guitarist. He or was, something? He, yeah, he was the devil, and they have the uh, the the soundtrack is mostly by uh, the amazing right. Ryan Coda. Yeah, that's right. I listened to so, that a lot with you. Yeah, and then you also have artists featuring on the soundtrack, such as uh, Sonny Terry, incredible harmonica player. So these mm. these have got really good blues links. If you want to get into some blues, this is a great movie. Um, it's, yeah, what else have I got here? At the end of the movie, it, it, for me, was a real highlight because uh, being obviously young and watching something like that, you have Steve Vai, this uh, virtuoso Massive shredder uh, who has a big jewel at the end of the night with a blues guy playing a bottleneck, and uh, oh, it's just—I mean, it's just it fantastic. Right? I just get a semi on thinking about that, and they <laughs> the shred, they're shredding it out, and they're they're doing all this stuff, and um, the famous the famous guitar part that Steve Vai plays is now you might know this, Martin, is the uh, being a piano player was um, the Paganini's Caprice number five. You ever heard of Paganini's Caprice? Caprices? No, I thought he drove a Ferrari. He, yeah, that was his next car. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. 
So I've got to give you a little music lesson now. Paganini was an incredible composer. You've heard of Paganini, right? Yeah. 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 Thank goodness for that. And uh, he wrote, <laughs> I just think I'm talking to a bunch of eggs. So he's got. <laughs> a bastard. <laughs> no. It's only if you say it like Paganini. You've got to, if that's, then it's pasta. If you just say it in a Kiwi way, it's not. Uh, Paganini. So Paganini. Paganini. Paganini's you caprice. Up, can you pick up? Yeah, when you're down the shops, can you pick up some Paganini and <laughs> Swift? <laughs> Hello? Is that Paganini? Can I have some of that Pag- Parmesano Pag- cheese soup? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want some oh, caprices with that? So oh, I'd love a caprice. <laughs> this, caprice. Right. Yeah. Shut up now. There's 24 caprices that Paganini wrote, and these are all snippets. Each caprice is about a minute or something like that. And if you listen to the 24 caprices, that insane. If you play music and try and play that stuff, you're insane. And Steve By does it not on violins, but on guitars, and that is ultra insane. So, yeah, I just love the end of the movie. It comes to a big crescendo, plays this Paganini's uh, Caprice number five, super amazing. And um, then, you know, he gets the girl, he beats the devil, and, you know, you fig- finish your bag of chicken flavored ripples, and it's sweet, man. All good. Yeah. Beautiful. It's a good feel good movie, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's been well, a pleasure, all boys. Class. All class. <laughs> all class. If you want any questions, fire them at me. I will. Uh, maybe that's something people could write in with. Um, yeah. And that'll be a great thing. Ian answers yeah. your questions. That could be a segment one day. Yeah. Have what you noticed how well behaved I've been? I'm I know. We we have been, to be fair. We have been impeccable. We both, we both have been trying really hard. So Crossroads, go if you've not seen it, uh, absolute must if you like music, uh, just for the whole storyline of the Robert Johnson thing. Go and watch it. Immediately, thank Excellent. you. So, um, I haven't gone with uh, with what I think is a classic. It's uh, it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, so that movie for me when I saw it first, and it was not probably until I would probably have been a teenager the first time I saw it. I think so, probably well into the nineties. But I think. Um, the message of it just has kind of just stood the test of time, really. You know, it's a teenage film. It's all about teenagers. And John Hughes, the director, was just just no had a one. gift for tip it, for tapping in to teenage angst and and he's done a few, isn't he? Oh yeah. He I mean, did some um, Breakfast Club. Yeah, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. He was, know, he was the dude for that. I mean, um, Anthony Michael Hall or whatever, and Molly Ringwood, they'd probably just... Molly movies, yeah. It's a bit yeah. of a circuit, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, in fact, like, Molly Ringwald actually wanted to audition for Ferris Bueller as the girlfriend, but um, oh. uh, John Hughes nixed that. Um, I've forgotten her surname now, Mia, and I don't think she'd done very many okay. movies. I think she was in Legend with Tom Cruise, but that was about it. Yeah. Um, and um, 
Yeah, it's just such a good feel-good movie, you know, which, which he was great at doing. He always kind of like, you know, but there was always a moral to them as well, you know, and that movie is all about the idea of like, you know, try not to kind of focus on the problems that you've got because life moves pretty fast and, you you know, you're going to miss it. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, cast-wise, it's got a great cast, you know, uh, Matthew Broderick is Ferris and it's... Probably never been better, to be honest, as far as I'm concerned in a movie. Uh, certainly yeah, not, good, never been as, as likeable in a movie. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's a smart ass in it, but at the same time, you can't help but like him. And every character in the movie likes him, you know, looks up to him. Um, and, uh, and his best friend in the movie as well, um, Cameron, who is uh, kind of depressive, very kind of cynical uh, guy in the movie. Um, but he's a great mm -hmm. Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, his name is. Um, okay. Another, yeah, he puts in a great performance as well. You know, um, it's got a fun soundtrack. Um, again, there's a bit of. So to remember, there's, there's some like I think there's either Cure or the Smiths on there actually. Um, <laughs> a lot of those eighties, the 80s musics, they were anchored, weren't they? You think about um, Back to the Future with um, Harry Lewis. Uh, yeah. The Breakfast Club had Simple Minds with Don't You yeah. Think It. They, they tend to sort of release them with a, a hit song. Um, so the, and the, the movie. Interestingly enough, the soundtrack for that movie never got an official release. And oh. that's because John, because it was so kind of disparate and just so many different styles, you know. In fact, the lead mm. single from it, the one that people remember from it, is actually Yellow. It was um, Oh Yeah by Yellow. Remember that? With like the really deep voice. Oh. Bom, bom. Yeah. That's the oh. one. Yeah. The Decker ad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, really? Ad. It was oh. the Decker ad. Yeah. yeah. That was a Decker ad, yeah. So that, that was kind of wow. like the lead for it, to be honest, in terms of the soundtrack. Um, eventually, it did get a release. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's very kind of schizophrenic as a soundtrack, really. It's all over the place. But it, but we're in the context of the movie, it works. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, you know, I, although it's probably, you know, the guy has done some pretty, from what I understand, quite had quite a, a shady past over the, over the last 20 years or so. But the guy who plays the principal in the movie, Jeffrey Jones, who's also in the likes of Beetlejuice, um, he's just phenomenal in it, I've got to say. You know, what was he in Beetlejuice? Do you remember? He was the dad. He was like Winona Ryder's oh, dad. Okay. He's got ginger hair. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you can't help but feel sorry for him in that movie. He's just so played upon in this movie, but um, mm. but at the same time, you know, he, he gets his just desserts, which is good. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I still rate it. It's still a movie I go to and watch every now and again. It's one of those movies, kind mm. of like The Princess Bride, or you know, when you when you're sick or you just want a, a bit of a lift in your life. If you watch one of those movies, it's just a bit more okay. kind of life affirming, you know. Starface, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. The, the, the Dark Crystal. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a movie. I never got, I never got into that. Did you guys ever get into the Dark Crystal? No, no. My wife has. Yeah. I was never allowed to watch it because it was like too scary. Yeah, yeah. And an overactive imagination, monsters yeah. everywhere. Yeah, I've got a funny feeling like my brother. And was was wanted to see it at the movies, and I think I got on the bus with my dad and him, and we got as far as like 
halfway before I completely freaked out <laughs> <laughs> and don't have to take me home from memory. That, that's kind of uh, like that. yeah. Just the thought just of these like it. big, yes, yes, yeah. sk skeleton type things, right? It was yeah. pretty freaky, pretty freaky. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. yeah. So anyway, that was my choice. Um, nice, good yeah. choice. How about you, Dave? Good. What was yours, mate? I had. Star Trek, The Voyage Home. Who, who's seen this one? Yes. Derby Wales, Jog my memory, man. Jog my it, memory. It, it, it's think, completely think bonkers. Whales. They go to, they go, they travel back in time to Earth to get a couple of humpback whales to talk to some big yes. space probe that's about to blow up the Earth in the future. <laughs> pretty, much, <laughs> pretty much the movie. That's, um, every, that's every Star Trek movie, isn't it? I, mean, this was, I <laughs> love this movie. This one's I love bonkers, it so that's... much. I recorded it off the telly onto my VHS 180. Um, wow. And I watched it, and I must have worn that tape out. I mean, I loved it, but it, 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 hasn't, it hasn't aged well. <laughs> um, and it's your classic. Actually, when you think about it, they were quite, this is, a, this is your um, fish out of water type, like Elf or Back to the Future, you know, because they take they take a bunch, bunch, you know, Kirk and Spock and those guys, and they dump them in 1986 San Francisco. And, and it is yeah. funny. There are some there are some some good bits to it. Actually, interestingly, uh, we were talking about Challenger before. This came out at the end of 86, and at the start of the movie, there's a dedication to the, to the oh, astronauts oh, wow. that lost their lives in the Challenger disaster, um, which was about right. January, February. Mm. I think it was January 86. Um Nice. Which, yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the movies, because I, 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 I've got the DVD um, out in the lounge and it, it hasn't aged well. Um, there's, I suppose, partly because really they, they had, so I don't know if you know that the Star Trek films, everyone compares Star Trek to Star Wars, you know, which one are you sort of mm. things like that. But really there's no comparison. The, the Star Trek films, the original five or six or whatever, they had pretty much no budget, right? So if you know anything about the, the history of the Star Trek films, they never expected, they never expected to make the next one. So they kind of made, they kind of made the film thinking that this could be it, and yeah. then going, oh, actually, you know, it's done really well. Let's make another one, and, and it really shows in this one, because if you if you if you, essentially, they've got twenty minutes, I think, in maybe 10 minutes either side and in the middle they're just filming downtown san francisco in 1986 uh wow in some cases, you know there's no special effects there's no big prop stage props or anything it's pretty much just on location in fact there's a really cool clip um if you are, uh, you know, into this movie of a guy on youtube who's gone down to the, the actual street corners in san francisco and gone this is where they filmed um Spock doing this or Scotty doing that or Chekhov doing this. Um, and they actually take parts of the movie and show you those are the buildings there. I mean, yeah, real train spotting stuff. Wow. Um, so from memory, didn't they, um, didn't they, when they, when they landed on Earth as well, uh, and I'm guessing again just due to budget constraints, but didn't they like cloak the Enterprise so it's like invisible for the rest of the love that they, they, did. they did it was a bloody good cloaking cloaking device that's, they were showing that's fantastic genius um, that's I genius. Mean, some of the some of the scenes um actually you know 
the, the interesting thing is if you'd uh, if I'd done this a month ago, right? So there's a scene in there where Chekhov is on the street corner and he's asking anyone, Chekhov's the Russian dude, right? He's asking anyone he can find. Um, he's looking for a nuclear vessel because they need a nuclear reactor or something like that. So he's asking, and because he's Russian, the Cold War is still a thing. It's apparently quite funny in the time, but you know, for the last 30 years, it hasn't been that funny. Of course, now, given the events of the last two, three weeks, it, you know, it, it's another U turn as well. But um, there are some good one liners in there. There's a, there's a scene where I don't know if you remember on the bus, there's Kirk and Spock, and they're on the bus, and there's a punk rocker sitting opposite them, and he's kind of sitting there and he's got his ghetto blaster, the days of the boombox, and he's like, Got this music up loud, and then Kirk asks him to to turn it down, and the guy just does the big finger to to him, and then Spock goes and does and goes, goes and does the Vulcan and puts the guy to sleep, and everyone cheers. There's some really cool, cool um, scenes in there, but look, overall, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know, it was a definitely a slice of the time. Um, uh, you know, given uh, the budget, they had, I was yeah. going to say, do you know who directed that one? Because didn't Shatner and, and Nimoy kind of trade off and start shooting them like all time at once? Nimoy, for a while? Yeah, Leonard Nimoy did this one. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah this was his one. Um, and interesting fun fact that the woman on there that um, that Shatner uh, schmoozes up to, um, I don't know who the, the character is, but Gillian Taylor um, was the. Was she their character or the actor? I can't remember. But her role, she's the one, she's like the microbiologist or the biologist person that helps get the whales. It was actually a role that Eddie Murphy was supposed to, because Eddie Murphy was huge at the time, right, with Beverly Hills Cop. He was actually picked for that role. But when he found out that he was going to be like a supporting character or supporting actor, he's like, no, 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 I don't want that. So he turned it down. I heard this story the other day, and um, this blew my mind, was apparently... Early 80s, Bill Murray was considering doing a Batman movie and asked Eddie Murphy he'd be Robin. And uh, Eddie Murphy apparently just just said on the spot, no, man, I want to play Batman. (laughs) Why would I I be Robin? I'm going to be Batman if I'm going to be in this movie. So there's the same. That's that's as far as that movie ever got. But... uh, Poor old Eddie, eh? <laughs> that would have been priceless. Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy in a Batman movie. <laughs> that would have been a good movie. That would have been a good movie. Yeah. Radio, over to you, Glenn. Mm. I picked possibly one of the um, what the an interesting film because of its sort of legacy, but also it was regarded as sort of the shiny, noisy, dumb hit, and that is Top Gun. It's kind of everything that the 1980s kind of was. Um, you know, it had a killer soundtrack, obviously, and yeah. it did, unfortunately, has been responsible for so much of oh, Tom Cruise movies. But regardless of that, you know, um, it is, it's a hilarious, hilarious movie. And if you go to a, like a even a screening of it now, everyone's taking the piss out of the appalling dialogue. <laughs> And it's got so many one-liners in it, you know, the need for speed, those MIGs must be close. I'm gonna <laughs> and, and, and all of this ridiculous rubbish and, and that epically quite homoerotic scene of every all the boys 
with his shirts off playing volleyball. I was gonna I was gonna say, like, as I think the budget for that must that movie was probably like, you know, six, seven, eight million and like three million of that was just on uh, baby oil. <laughs> it must have been. And, but I mean it was I mean I, they one good thing in it, it was Kelly McGillis, um, and the fact that they actually had her with a brain, which was really good because the rest of the characters pretty much don't have one. Um, <laughs> the main star of the movie for me was the F-14 Tomcat, which I kind <laughs> of freaking love. And and as a plane nut, it was like, oh, crap, can they hurry up with that storyline so we can get back to watching the planes flying? Um, because the plane footage and the photography in that film is epically good. It still stacks up because it's mostly... There's no, not minimal amount of visual effects. Yeah. And it's all in the aircraft flying around, and it's pretty epic. Um, um, don't they in one scene, hang on a minute, just hold on. Don't they in one scene wave at each other? Yes, upside yes. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> upside down. That's, he that's went not, vertical. It's, yeah, it is. That's not epic. It's epically stupid. It is epically stupid. It is stupid. And when you when you watch it, it sort of was like it was. I must have been thinking. Actually, I kind of want to make a movie about planes. Oh freaking hell! I must have a storyline. Okay, generic, crappy storyline. Boy, dad, blah, history. Okay, flying bit. Okay, lots of flying bit. Lots of flying bit. Oh, crap, we need to have like a love scene. Oh, we have to have a rival. Oh, well, let's make this rival called Iceman. (laughs) (laughs) Falcon scenes are hilarious. And and going to a group screening is super funny. Everyone sings along with the bad songs. Mm -hmm. Um, Take my breath away. One of the most awkward love love scenes ever where the two tongues are touching in such a good way. It is, it is, it is, yeah, but it's just awkward. It's just so bad. Uh, and that's, yet, how I learned, that's how I learned to French kiss watching Top Gun. Where, where you sort of like tentatively touch tongues. And, <laughs> and also, you know, it was the movie that brought back the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> so, you know, know, that, oh, yeah, that, so you've lost the loving feeling. That horrific, and, uh, horrific version of it that's on How did that movie get released? Come on. It is so bad. And yet, if so it good. came on now, I would still sit there and watch it because Absolutely. of the effort Tomcat. Um, but, <laughs> and, and then sit there with my wife and take the piss out of all the other parts because they're actually very, very funny. Um, and if you, yeah, and it's probably everything that America wanted itself to be and isn't. And it's just hilarious. And I will probably go to the new movie coming out this year because it's got planes in it. And that's pretty much it. I hope it's exactly the same. I hope it's just a whole chunk of planes and then this (laughs) crappy storyline. I want it to be bad. I really want it to be stink so you can have a laugh with it. It will be. It's 2022, man. All movies are beep. At the moment, <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen one for a long time. But yeah, Correct. you can go take. You, you can go to the danger zone with Kenny Loggins. And, yes. And, and, yeah. What's, and, what's and the that, words? What's the words in that? What's the what's the what's the to the danger zone. <laughs> so Take what's higher to the danger zone. Do you know? Yeah, for terrible. years, I thought he was singing. I went to the danger zone. 
He may For have. For so yeah. long, I thought that. No, but he doesn't. No, that's not. He, that's not the words, though, is it? No. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. And then there's the other Highway. classic of his, um, playing with the boys. Playing with the boys. Which was the uh, the volleyball scene. Oh, <laughs> the volleyball scene. They're all strutting around. Oh, it's very, very funny. And that's, that's my so- choice.